Hey everyone, welcome to this new episode of the More with Nikki Dutton podcast. I have one of my very close friends on today's episode. Her name is Stephanie Cardamone and I adore her and it will be very, very clear to you from just a couple minutes with her of why and I'm pretty sure you're gonna fall in love with her as well. But something that I love about Steph is her story of coming to know Jesus. It is so incredibly powerful and it's just as wrapped all up in who she is as a person as well. And like I said, she's just so magnetic and just so wonderful and hearing her story of stepping out of the darkness that she was in and into a light filled life is just absolutely inspirational. And so I'm just excited for you to get to hear her tell that story. And when we were talking, I told her I would love for her to share her story in as much detail as she was willing. And so she did that. And with that, there are some aspects of her story that I just want to give you a heads up about, just depending on where you're at in your own day in your own journey with your own friends and family, we do have mention of sexual abuse, of suicide and self-harm. So if those are some things that you struggle with, I still think this is an incredible episode and that Steph holds those things very, very well. But I just want you to have an awareness going into it that it is a bit of the story that she tells. It's by no means the weight of it and it is not the majority of what we talk about, but there is mention of those things. And like I said, I still think that you can listen to this episode and you will get the light and the love and the life that is what we're all looking for. So just have that heads up. And then also I'm so excited for you to get to hear about her family and just what this has looked like seeing her family step into knowing Jesus as well. So get ready. You're about to meet one of the best people on the planet, Steph Cardamone. I know. Hearing ads cut into the middle of a podcast you're listening to can be kind of annoying, but I don't want this part of the podcast to only be me pushing products, even if I genuinely love and use them. I also want to highlight organizations and nonprofits and causes and people that I support like Love Does. If you aren't familiar, Love Does is a nonprofit that fights for human rights, cares for the vulnerable, and provides education in conflict zones. This year in 2023, Love Does is opening a primary school in Burkina. Kina Faso in West Africa, an after-school program in Israel, as well as welcoming more Ukrainian refugees at their recently established school in Poland. And for the last 20 years, Love Does has focused primarily on building schools and safe houses around the world, but they've recently expanded their operations here in the U.S. to include a mobile food pantry for families who are facing food insecurity, refugee resettlement, and a home for teen moms. You might remember back in August, I had one of my close friends, Annie Laurie, on the podcast, and we recorded an episode called Love Does with Annie Laurie Jacobs. She is on this team, and it would be worth scrolling back and listening to her episode if you want to hear more stories and wins from the work that they've done together so far. And if you're interested and want to be in involved, there are a ton of ways that you can support Love Does, especially if you're looking this year in 2023 to make a difference and to be involved with something different. Scott and I have given financially to Love Does over the last year or so, and we felt really encouraged by the way that our gift has been invested in communities locally and worldwide. You can follow Love Does on social media 
at lovedoes. Visit their website, lovedoes.org for updates. And you can feel like you can do absolutely anything and launch an outer space orbit, listening to the founder, Bob Goff, on his podcast, Dream Big. That has been a huge source of inspiration for me in my life and in this podcast. So I highly recommend that as well. And I just would say, I love this place. I love these people. And I could not recommend Love Does to you any more highly. Today, we have one of my real life friends. Her name is Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> I've literally never called you that. But in we're my just life. we're just in the moment. We're just feeling. It. <laughs> so we met four years ago. It'll be four years ago in August, oh and gosh. I was a volunteer, a new volunteer in the A twenty one office in California. How many years had you been volunteering there? Not long. Like not long. Maybe six months. Okay. maximum before you came in. So you were living in LA at the time, yes, right? Yes. And we had just moved to Huntington Beach and we were actually in two like different volunteer like groups. Intakes, yeah. Yes, yes. So our paths only crossed every now and then, but right towards the end, me, you, and Annie Laurie, who's been on the podcast mm. too, we just became fast friends. And Scott <laughs> obviously loves you too. So what does your life look like now? You're not in LA. Where I are you? Not. I am actually in Florida. This is kind of new for me as well. I've been here about eight months. And um, I mean, just based off of conversations that you and I have had, I thought I was going to be in LA for the rest of my life. Like I was a ride or die Southern California girl forever. Like that was was your dream. dream. It was like, since I was a girl, like I, I was born there. um, And there was just something in me that was like, I'm going to be there one day. I'm going to put roots down there. I'm going to have a family there. I'm going to live there. I'm going to little tan surfer girl with all my little babies like that that was the dream right (laughs) um but yeah about eight months ago I moved to uh right right above Jacksonville Florida Mm -hmm. um and the reason that I came back was because I just had some family stuff going on my grandfather got sick um and then even a couple of months before that I feel like the Lord really put it on my heart uh to start praying for my grandfather before we even knew he was sick I kind of knew that something was going on um, and started praying about it, praying about it. And I feel like I, I forget what part of the Bible this is, but you know, when they do like the fleece test. Yes. Yes. Where they put the fleece out and he's yeah. like, okay, well maybe let's try it this way. Exactly. If yes. there's dew on this side, but not yes. on the grass, that means this. And then he's like, God, do it again. Um, so I kind of did that with the Lord and I was like, Lord, like, if you want me to move, like, just make it happen with my job. And the door swung wide open. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this as the sign and move back. Got to be um, with my family for like the first time in 10 years. Got to see my family a lot. My parents also moved down at the same time. Um, my grandfather actually passed last fall, but it was, it was so God because that I probably wouldn't have gotten to see him before he died. Yeah. Um, and there's this whole other part, which I'll yes. share with you a yes. little bit later. That's yeah. Insane. It was insane. But yeah, I'm yeah. in Florida. Um, I live in Atlantic Beach, Florida, in Jacksonville Beach. And honestly, I still surf. love it. I surf. Yeah, I surf like at least two or three times a week if there's swell, if not more. Um, I have a really good group of friends here that I met through church. And I work at a lighting manufacturer, which is what that means is I work with like architects and engineers, interior designers and help make uh, beautiful spaces that are also functional. 
Um, and then I also have a, a certification in sustainability and wellness. So I get to work with people um, to make sure that the places that we're actually lighting are are good for mm-hmm. the people to be in as well. So realize that I, <laughs> I I don't have a huge passion for the construction industry, but I have a huge passion for people. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of marry the two of like, if I'm going to do this with my career, I want to make sure that I'm also benefiting the people that are in the spaces too. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, even to the lighting thing, I hadn't thought about this, but when you explained your job to us, we were in California and I remember we were walking around and we, said, were even huh? in our, <laughs> we were even in our little apartment. We were like, okay, Scott and I said, can you explain what this means? And you pointed out, okay, that light in your kitchen is this and this and this and like outside this and this. And I can't unsee it. It's like, it's like one of those things. Once you see it, now you're like, oh, wow. Oh my I had gosh, no idea. Yes. And how into intentional everything is placed. So I, but I love that you've said that you just use that as a way to be with people and to work with people and to get to know people. And I've seen you do that. You've been with them for years now. How It'll long? It'll be nine years. And that's, crazy. oh my gosh, it's nine years this month, which is crazy. Yeah. Wow. I, I do that. Like shout out to my company. They treat me so well. Yeah. They've they been amazing. They take care of me. The people that I work with is great, are great. Um, and even through COVID, yeah. they were pretty amazing in how their response was and taking they care really of everyone. Were, yeah, they really, really. You, we can yeah. go into that story. Yeah. Another time. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, it was oh wild. My gosh. Yes. Well, I mean, gosh, there's been so much. And I remember when, okay, so me, you, Annie, and another one of our friends, we were driving to Northern California because (gasps) we were going to work a Propel Activate event, not Mm. knowing it would be one of the last few that would happen before the world shut down. Oh my gosh, that was right before COVID. It was right around there. And I remember during that time, it, it wasn't on that exact trip, but around that time was the first space that I had ever heard your full testimony before. I had oh. never heard like how you had come to know Jesus and you're like, it's crazy. <laughs> so will you share your story in as much detail yes. as you want about how you came to know Jesus? Oh my gosh. It's so funny that you mentioned that time too, because like that plays into it. Like, I remember that. I remember, remember the moment you came back moment. into the room and uh-huh. that's like part of the story that I won't that's spoil. That's totally part of the But it's a big part of it. And we it were is. sitting there in like Northern California, just in a hotel room and <laughs> it just happened. And we were like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, where do I, dang, where do I even start? So <laughs> apologies to you and whoever's listening to this and I bop <laughs> around a bunch, but I would say like I had struggled with anxiety since I was a girl. And I didn't know that's what that was. I just thought that it was a normal feeling. Um, Nobody had ever kind of coined that term anxiety and depression or whatever that is. Um, But I I think that since I was a little girl, there was just a lot of perfectionism that was thrust upon me um, by like my family, my friends. I I played basketball. I was going to say college basketball. I played college basketball um, and that was, that was always like the plan. Like I always knew it, that, that wasn't thrust on me. Like nobody ever told me you have to go to college and do this. I wanted to, I loved the game. Um, I loved the people that I met through it. That game has given me so much. Um, and so that was my decision, but I also was just type a perfectionism overachiever and just constantly had people telling me, um, that I had to uphold these standards of perfection or beauty or whatever it was. And, um, 
you know, the, the thing that people always said to me was, well, we're, we're hard on you because we know you can take it Mm. or we we're this way towards you because you have so much potential. And because you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to change the world. You're supposed to excel. You're supposed to all this stuff. Right. And I believed them. And so when I messed up, whether it was a big mess up or a small mess up, like it was the end of the world for me. And they made me, made, they made me feel that way too. Like they totally backed that up as well. Um, and I do want to just stop and say, I love my family and I'm so grateful to have the family that I have. My mom is probably the best mom in the world. You my always dad, describe her as an angel. She's You're like, she's an actual angel. earth angel. She's yes. an actual earth, <laughs> literally. And now that she's baptized, it's like times yeah. 10. She's actually for real an earth she's angel. She's actually, yeah. And my dad, like my dad is... I would not pick another father for yeah. me. Like he's yeah. just been everything to me. He's such a good dad. He's yeah. I could go on and on about my parents. And then my brother, Nick is my best, really my best friend. Like I love them so much. And so I don't want to sit here and be like, my family made me this way. But no. Like, and I can even speak into that because just a couple, I guess it's been a year now when we both found ourselves in Atlanta, Nick was getting married, which yeah. we don't know Nick, yes. but you invited us to the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott and I just showed up to the rehearsal dinner with your whole family. We met Aunt Tina. We yes. got invited to Niagara Falls. We she still owe Aunt Tina a visit to Niagara Falls. But your family, they're incredible. I mean, they Such are truly people. amazing people. So just to throw that in there, like yeah. I can say, yes, they're amazing, the amazing Cardamon people. Family. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's kind of where it starts is like the perfectionism. There was a lot of worthlessness um, that I felt I didn't have a lot of value. And, um, I was just constantly looking for validation, um, in, in either like my performance, uh, with basketball, with, with school or, um, just how people saw me and would give feedback to me. If they thought I was beautiful, if they thought I was cool, if they thought it was funny, I didn't, I didn't know who I was. And, um, like I said, just struggled with anxiety. I didn't know what that was either. Had kind of my first couple of like depressive bouts at a young age. Didn't know what that was either. And then I went to school, um, and I did, I played division one basketball and that was awesome. Again, wouldn't take back the opportunity and just the things that I've learned and the people that I got to meet. I still have some of my best friends from college, um, but a lot of really hard stuff happened to me there. And um, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but or even like relation. But I'll just start off with saying that I had someone who should have been looking out for me, um, who should have been kind of like not a mentor, but more of like a paternal figure. Um, he had sexually abused me for two years while I was there. And I did not tell a single soul about it. Like I really just started talking about this part of my testimony maybe like three-ish years ago. And I still kind of remember the first time telling people that they were devastated. So if you're hearing this and I haven't told you that to your face and I care about you and you care about me, I'm really sorry that this is the way that you're finding out. Um, and we, we can talk about that another time. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that had happened. I, again, just kind of feeding into the worthlessness, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. I um, had dated someone on and off. This is getting past college at, at this point, but on and off for eight years, um, which again, just fed into the worthlessness. Absolutely nothing wrong with him. He's a great guy and still very much care about him, but it was just a very toxic relationship. 
And we both made really big mistakes that hurt each other. Um, there was a lot of comparison. Um, I was being compared to a lot of other women and, um, yeah, just a lot of worthlessness. Like that, that kind of is like the undertone of my story and my life is a lot of guilt, a lot of shame and a lot of worthlessness. And then after I graduated college, I had, um, still that relationship was on and off and on and off. And, and then I had started having some stuff happen with my body where, um, like I had to go to the hospital a couple of times and, um, it was just something where like I had, I had put so much stock in my body, especially as an athlete, you, it's something that had never failed me before. And then to start seeing like some health complications, things that I did not foresee really coming up, that was terrible. And, mm-hmm. um, again, just kind of like reinforced, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. And now like the one thing that's been constant for me in like the performance aspect of my life is failing me and scared the crap out of me. (laughs) I was very isolated. Um, After college, all my friends were still in the Northeast and I had moved down to Atlanta at that point and then over to the West Coast. And I was just so alone, like seeing like either the person that I dated who I was in love with or seeing all my friends, they were all together, like, and they're all just kind of moving on without me. And so just all of this stuff happening. And then I started out of my hurt and out of my depression and out of a lot of shame, I started making poor decisions that affected other people that like, I started lying about things and just, just making really bad decisions that hurt people that hurt me too and harbored a lot of guilt and shame for those things and then finally um it was july 4th 2017 and i spent almost every fourth of july and memorial day weekend all my friends from college we all went to my friend olivia's house down by the shore uh in new jersey and it was always such a fun weekend and I just remember dreading going there, not because of them, but because I had so much stuff and I was just constantly told compartmentalize, compartmentalize, compartmentalize. And I kind of picture like my chest as like a chest of drawers Mm -hmm. and each thing, like the guilt, the shame, the decisions, the sexual abuse, the like everything that I was dealing with, I just kept shoving into the drawers and putting the drawers back and shoving it and shoving it and shoving it. And eventually that weekend, it got to the point where like all, everything just exploded out of me. It couldn't stay down anymore. Um, And I was actually confronted that weekend by things like by decisions that I made that were hurtful. And so I couldn't ignore it anymore. And um, I was living in San Diego at the time. And I remember getting on a plane and this sounds so terrible, um, but I literally prayed to a God that I did not know existed at that time. I prayed for that plane to go down because Mm -hmm. I knew that once that plane set foot in San Diego, if I was not dead, I would have to do it myself because I just couldn't be alive anymore. I didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, And this is going backwards a little bit, but just to kind of preface where I was in my faith journey, I grew up in the Catholic church. Um, I got all of the Catholic sacraments and I didn't really um, believe though in the God of the Bible. Like I had heard the stories of the Bible, some of them. Um, but my Nana, my dad's mother, who is in heaven now, she was kind of like the spiritual matriarch of our family. And it was really important to her that we were in church. So I feel like um, that's kind of why my family even went. Otherwise, right. I'm not sure that we really would have. My dad was definitely searching for for his faith, but we weren't at that point yet. 
or um, it was something that we just wanted to do. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the backstory of where I was in my faith. I knew of a God. I knew of a Bible. Um, I believed that there was something like I believed in maybe like a cosmic presence or something. Like I didn't believe we just got here just because. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would say I pretty much identified as like an atheist at that point. And so, like I said, I prayed to a God I didn't know existed and was just like, if you're real, number one, what the heck? Like, why did you let all this stuff happen? I was told that you were good. You abandoned me. You left me to die. Like you left me in moments that I needed you the most. And you let me make bad decisions. You let people make bad decisions that hurt me. Who, what are you doing? Are you even real? If you're real, I need you to show up. If you're real, I need you to prove it. Like I very specifically remember saying that. And so uh, I think it was July 6th at this point, I woke up in the morning and um, again, living in San Diego at the time, I remember waking up in my bed and sitting at the end of the bed and just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And then I went into the shower and I took like, you know, those little like depression showers where you yes. just kind of sit <laughs> yes. in a ball. Yes. <laughs> you just let the water and you fall. Just, it yes. helps you and you're just yes. like, feel yes. like you're in a Hillary Duff music video. Yes. And you're like, let the rain <laughs> fall down. That's kind of how I, I was just being pelted, yeah. but I was yeah. crying and crying. But it was, crying. it was actually like deep. Deep, deep. Deep. It was like sorrow. Like mm-hmm. I think the Bible says sorrow unto death. Like that mm-hmm. is how I felt. I felt sorrow unto death. Um, so bed, shower, depression, shower. And then I finally got to uh, my couch um, in San Diego and I wrote three notes. I wrote one to my parents, to my brother, and then to uh, my ex-boyfriend. And I made a decision that I was going to end my life. And so I started to cut myself and I remember putting my phone face down. I had like a little marble peninsula that came out of my kitchen. And so I put my phone on do not disturb and I put it face down. Like I suck at measurements, but a couple feet over. Yeah. Like (laughs) not too far, but far (laughs) enough that it was like away. Yeah. um, And I put it down on that marble countertop and started to cut myself. And um, I, I lived in downtown San Diego at the time and it was like eerie quiet outside. Mm. Usually there's just, it's bustling. People are, it was eerily quiet. No one on the street. And I remembered I started to hear my phone vibrate and I was like, Ugh, what the heck? I just yeah. want to get this over with. Like, I just want to be done. I just want to yeah. not be here anymore. And so I was cutting and cutting and then my phone started to siren. And I was like, what is that noise? I got up and looked out the window because I was like, that sounds like an ambulance. And it's just, it's been going for like two full minutes at this point. So I was like, I'm going to look out the window. You're really quiet, nothing going on. And I look over at my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my freaking phone. I had never heard my phone make that noise before. It sounded like an ambulance. And so I kind of let it go and just started to cut again. And then I remember holding the knife like up and I was going to start cutting up. And so I would just easily, more easily bleed. And so it would be done quicker. And I got so angry, Nikki, that this thing was stopping me. Cause I would just hold it here and be like, I just want to do it. I just want to do it. And it was stopping me. So I remember going over to my phone and I picked up my phone and I chucked it against the wall and it slid down, broke the screen shattered and kept making that noise. And I was like, what the heck? Picked up the pieces of my phone and saw that it was the Bible app. 
And it said, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I didn't even have the Bible app on my phone. So I was like, what the hell? What is this? And immediately, like, I can't explain it any other way. Like, something just fell off my eyes. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, it was kind of like I took sunglasses off. Like I had the really, really dark sunglasses Mm -hmm. on and everything was just gray and blurry and black. And I saw that, that thing, that, that message on my phone, this verse on my phone and the sunglasses fell off and it was like, the world is okay again. Like everything is okay again. And I contacted my family. I was on the first flight back to Atlanta where they were living at the time, stayed with them for a couple months. And immediately in my soul knew I'm just met Jesus. Like Mm. I didn't see his face. I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but there was all of a sudden just something there that was like, the Lord just saved my life. I know that was God. I know that was him. And I couldn't deny it anymore. And when I went home, I remember taking a bath. I hate baths. I'm not a bath I hate baths too. It's not for me. Shout out to those who (laughs) love baths because... I cannot. It's um, not for me. But I took a bath, one of the first in my life, and was just sitting there. And I wouldn't say the depression was gone. Even though I knew I met Jesus, it's not like the depression went away. I still had a lot of work to do. But I remember laying in that bath and just being like, I know it was you. Can you just show yourself to me? And I stood up out of the bath. And you know how like little water droplets like run mm-hmm. off your body? I saw black water coming Mm -hmm. off of my body and I just knew in that moment I was like I feel like my body is purging itself of all of this shame and guilt and like worthlessness and all of it was just dripping off of me and so I actually kind of consider that like when I actually for the first time got baptized but it was so amazing but so yeah going from there um I started going to church I just started looking for God anywhere that I could because I knew he saved my life. And so I was like, okay, where do, where do God people go? Church. Great. I'll start there. <laughs> started going to church. I bought a Bible, started reading my Bible, became obsessed with the word, like just was surrounded all of a sudden by community for really one of the first times in my life and um, joined A21. Uh, felt like the Lord was leading me there. Um, we went up to propel together, you and I, yeah. this kind of fast forwards a little bit, but I remember being at that conference with you guys and I think we had, we had just been in the car all day, right? We'd been in the car all day, yeah, all day. Cause we drove day. from, we drove from LA all the way up to Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. And so, it was like so eight we hours. just, yes, we had just gotten to the hotel. There's four of us girls sharing one hotel room. Yeah. It was a yeah. lot. I think we all were like at our wits end. So yes. I think you went to go walk on the treadmill. In I the gym. did. I was like, I just need to first alone move time. my body and I need yeah. to be alone for a hot second. Love <laughs> yeah. you guys. But Love you guys. See you later. Those yes. people who are half introvert, half extrovert. No. You need yeah. alone time sometimes. Um, but yeah, so I went to like a walk on the treadmill and I heard the Lord speak to me so clearly. Like it was like, go in that room over there, shut the door. And I was like, okay, God, this is weird, but <laughs> let's do it. Went into the room and just like sat in this conference room. It was like waiting. And literally I just saw that day, like the mm-hmm. day I had attempted my life. Um, and honestly, looking back on that day, it was very hard. It was, it was, it was hard to think about because it was 
you just can remember the feeling of being really alone like that in my memory was the most isolated day of my life. It was the most sorrowful day of my life. It was, it was so heavy. And so I didn't usually love to look back on it and love to talk about it, even though like I, I did therapy and all that stuff. I know it's, you need to kind of unpack those things. And so I wanted to do it for that reason. But that day when I was in that room, I remember the Lord walked me through like that day and I was waking up in my bed. I was taking the depression shower. I was sitting on the couch and he showed me that day exactly the same, but he was there with me. And so I woke up in the bed and I'm crying on the bed. And all of a sudden I see Jesus like sitting right next to me, like consoling me, rubbing my back. And then I see myself in the shower, taking that little ball depression shower, curled up and his hand, he's right next to the shower and his hand is on the shower being like, Steph, I'm here. I'm here. And then I see myself sitting there like hysterical, hysterically crying because I don't want to die. No one really wants to die. It's just like, you can't foresee your life being like not like this anymore. You're, the pain is so heavy that you just need an escape from that pain. And so I remember I was crying and crying and God was just like laying at my feet. He was on my feet, begging and pleading with me, Stephanie, I'm right here. If you could see me, I'm right here. Crying. He's crying too. And I remember just like, I can't see that day any other way now. All I see is Jesus everywhere on that day. And so now, like, instead of looking back and that's like the hardest day of my life, that is the best day of my life because he saved, he saved me. Mm. Like there's no other explanation. It was all him. And I just, there's nothing, there's no part of me that doesn't know that. Mm. Um, and so congrats, you got to be part of my testimony. But I know. um, Well, and you said that was July 6th, right? It was July 6th. That's my birthday. Ah, Which is kind of crazy. Put two and two together. <laughs> I haven't either. I knew Dude. the July fourth. I knew July fourth as what like one of the day. big days, but I did not know it was July sixth. So that's crazy. What a good day! It's a good day in history, huh? The Lord has blessed us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me doubly, because I get you and I get my life. That's crazy. Well, double for me. I get exactly the same. And and I mean, I remember like after, so you had gone down to the gym and mm. I remember, I think I had just gotten out of the shower yeah. and like Annie stepped in. She was like, hey, Steph's up here. She like wants to talk with us. Like something happened. <laughs> so dramatic. And so I was like, okay. So... I get dressed, I go in the room and I remember you just had so many tears, but you were like telling us exactly what you just said. Mm. But it, this was minutes after minutes. for the very first time you had seen Jesus in your literal darkest moments. Yeah. And I remember you just being so struck by it. And then I think we're all crying at that point. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I don't, know what to do we can't just like okay let's go get dinner like we're just in it yeah and I mean I remember that moment because I care about you Mm. but I also remember that moment because it was one of the more powerful testimonies I've heard from my Mm. friends and family and it helps me to ask myself that same question like where are these moments in my life those days those things those thoughts where I thought I was alone but really Jesus was with me yeah and I thought, oh, this weird thing happened. My phone starts making this noise. This person calls me. This something happens. And it truly was the Lord intervening. Yeah. And it's that moment where heaven bends and touches earth, mm. but you actually get to see it for That's a second. So beautiful. And 
I remember that. I remember all of the details of your story. And I remember that day so vividly because it was just so powerful. It was so, so powerful. At Resera, they believe that jewelry should be meaningful. Every piece is designed with this in mind to serve as a daily reminder of important values, stories, or people in your life. That's exactly what my necklace is. I have this gold necklace that's a little circle, and it has a dot, dot, dot on it. And it's a part of the Stephanie Bear collection, and it's meant to be a marker for this season of hopeful expectation as Scott and I are in the waiting of adding children to our family. And I love it so much, and it's been such a beautiful thing to have during this time. And I love that Rosera has become a partner of this podcast because if you shop their jewelry online, which I highly recommend for yourself or for a birthday or any holiday coming up for a lady in your life, you are not only getting a beautiful piece of jewelry, but you're also supporting a powerful mission. Rosera's mission is to employ and empower women of survivors of homelessness and domestic violence. They offer makers a living wage one-on-one financial counseling, food and clothing assistance, and referrals to free mental health counseling. So don't wait. Visit www.resera.com slash Nick Dutton or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your purchase and show me what you decide to buy. Again, that's www.resera.com slash N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your first Resera purchase. So then what happens next? I like, know. And then we lived happily ever after. And then we lived no. happily ever after. Yes. <laughs> no, not even. Um, then COVID happened. So yeah. Then COVID happened and we after. all stepped into a dark chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um, yeah. I would say like the next memorable thing. Um, and you actually reached out to me after my mom, my mom got baptized two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and you wanted to talk about my family. So we're getting there, everybody. But, um, a little bit of backstory on them is, like I said, we grew up Catholic and, uh, I would say we all believed in a God of sorts. Like I said, it's like, I don't know that we all believed in the God of the Bible. Um, there's so many preconceived notions about the God of the Bible. And I mean, if y'all have read the Bible, like I get it. There's certain parts where you're like, what? Um, But yeah, I just, I didn't know him and I don't know that I wanted to know him. And as far as my family goes, I think that they too believed in something, but I wouldn't say it was the God of the Bible or Mm -hmm. even in Jesus. And so, um, after, after this happened to their daughter, they were like, uh, okay. And I honestly didn't really share my testimony with my family right away because I didn't really know what to make of it. I was still kind of figuring it out myself. Um, and my relationship with Jesus was also so new, but what I did share with them was I just shared my life and they knew I was going to church. They knew I started serving at a church. They knew I was a part of a 21, um, and had all these volunteer initiatives and things that I wanted to do. Um, and I would say that I was the most forthcoming with my mom. I don't know why, but first of all, like we said, earth angel, earth angel. Mm-hmm. but she's also like, she's not just my mom. She is like one of my best friends. I tell her everything. And I was so forthcoming about everything. Like, even when you talk to people that are not Christians, um, and you're like, well, the Lord spoke to me and like, God told me like, sometimes they're like, how, what? I would even do that stuff with my mom and be like, I feel like he's talking to me about this. I feel like he's showing me this. And 
Um, so she kind of, she always knew that I loved the Lord, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually, like I said, started talking about the sexual abuse part of my story. And I remember tried. that too. I remember you, you like were there starting, for all of it. I don't know how. You were there just, for all of it. Just got to like have, yeah, a, a front row seat. But I remember like the wrestle in those conversations of, yeah. okay, I'm going to tell my mom. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell, tell my, my brother. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell my dad. How do I tell my dad? Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> that was the hard yes. one. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, so anyway, I, I started, I started just talking to her about that stuff. And so she knew, and it was a couple of years of like, them kind of warming up and I'd be like, dad, I'm praying for you, Nick, I'm doing this, whatever. And I think that they just saw the change of like who I was and how just dead, how sad, how depressed I was. And I was not that way anymore. And the only thing that made sense, I think I watched The Chosen months ago now. and I haven't watched it yet. Scott oh, girl. I, I know, I know. We oh, like are, I almost think we're like saving it because we know oh. how good it is that we don't want to start it because we don't want to get to the end of where it's at. And I know they're yeah, still wait. producing seasons. Yeah, but, yeah. wait for yeah. season four. Like, okay, okay. Like, okay. Um, but Mary, Mary Magdalene said it so eloquently. Like I was one way. And now I'm this way. And the only thing that happened in the middle was Jesus. And I feel like that's how my family was, is that she was anxious and depressed and about to take her life. And now she, not only do I not struggle with depression anymore, I don't struggle with anxiety. I don't have self-hatred or harm Mm -hmm. or shame or guilt or whatever that is, right? I don't struggle with that anymore. And so they were like, she's she's from night. She went from night to day and like something changed. The only thing that happened was Jesus. And so people just get curious, you know? Um, and so I feel like they got curious and my dad has been seeking. I feel like his whole life, like, like I said, brought up in a family, his, his mother was very religious and spiritual. And, um, so he has even told me stories of his own where he was like, I was, I was looking, like I tried other religions. I tried Christianity. I tried everything. And like, I just never quite found what I was looking for. Um, and so that's kind of the backstory of my family. But yeah. I, I went to, like I said, I moved to Florida last spring and my mom came out to the California and helped me pack up all my stuff. And we were going to a road trip to like a five day trip across the country to get to Florida together. And in that time, like we read the Bible together. I read the Bible every morning. And so I was, we were in the car together and I was like, do you mind if we listen together or do you want me to read alone? She was like, no, 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 it's okay. Let's listen together. And so she started hearing the word and we started praying before we got in the car and she'll tell you there were these like things that happened that she was like, Oh my gosh, that was God. That was totally God. That was God. And so by the time we got back to Florida, like she's a little believer and like we, I led her through a repentance prayer and she asked to receive Jesus into her heart and to like, she actually wanted to believe in him and wanted to follow him. And um, so fast forward a couple of months, I told you I came back for my grandfather uh, to spend time with him and my mom, my grandma was on a trip to Egypt. And so my mom came down and stayed with him because I had a work trip and I wasn't able to be there. And a little bit of backstory again, my grandfather was an alcoholic for probably upwards of 30 years and just really struggled. He was a really, really good man, like an awesome grandpa, an awesome husband, an awesome dad, like really cared about people, but he, he was dealing with a lot of stuff as we all do. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so he, he was an alcoholic and it got to the point where not only was he like physically sick, but he was mentally sick and struggled with that addiction. And so my mom went down to take care of him. And I got a call that night after praying for my grandfather for months she called me and was like, Steph, I just did something. I was like, what is it, mom? And she was like, I just led my my dad through a repentance prayer. And I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. There's no way this is happening. It was my mom. <laughs> this angel literally just like, and if you're not a Christian and you're listening and you're like, why does that matter? I believe and I think Nikki too would say she yeah. believes and most Christians everywhere believe that Jesus is God and he came down to save us from our sins. He did something that we could not do, um, which by him dying for us essentially allows us to spend eternity with him in heaven. And if he didn't do that for us, we would not by our own works. doesn't matter how good of a person you are. You are not, you're just not enough to be able to, be in the presence of God to spend eternity with God. And Nikki, please add. If oh I'm, no, if that's perfect. Yeah, that's it. I've got an evangelism degree, but you're the evangelist. <laughs> you go no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and so why we celebrated my grandfather is because what we believe just happened was we believe that just by accepting Jesus into his heart, again, it doesn't matter if you're a good or a bad person. Like I wish it did, but yeah. it just doesn't. Um, that's the only thing. So by accepting Jesus into his heart, we believe that like that is that granted him eternity in heaven. And I will see him again one day yeah. in heaven, just raging up there at the world's greatest he party. He's going to be loving it up there, right? <laughs> living so, it up. So we, I rejoiced. Oh my gosh. I remember my mom calling me and I sobbed and sobbed and was like, you have no idea the gravity of what you just did. Well, and also I just love how your mom, she was new to the faith. It was so simple. It was not complicated. She was like, yeah, no, I I love Jesus. I made this decision. I believe this decision is the most important decision you'll make in your life. So I'd really like for my dad to make that decision. Yeah, exactly. And it was just that easy. Exactly. And so then she asked, your grandfather, would you like to make that decision? Yeah. He says, yeah. She says, cool, he said, let's yeah. do it. And they said, yes. And then they go to bed and it's like, <laughs> all right, life changed. It's just so, so simple and, and just so beautiful. And I think that's the thing is that if you are on the opposite end of the spectrum and you've been in church for forever, it can get so overly complicated mm. and it, it doesn't have to be, it really doesn't have to totally. be. And it can get very, um, like whitewashed, like, like you talked about a good person versus a bad person. A Christian does not mean a certain look, a certain style, a mm. certain whatever, like it can be any person anywhere at yeah. any time has that accessibility to Christ. So true. And I think we forget that, you know? I so. also think that like, if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're good. Like I'm doesn't not, so, I never want to be the person that's like, I'm a Christian and I'm saved. So I'm good. No girl. Like I'm the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like, still we, I mean, before we were recording, we were like, talking about the things we're still trying to figure out. Yeah. It's it doesn't just make you even though your mom is an earth angel, like she it is. doesn't make everybody an earth she's angel. She's the only one. <laughs> she's the only she's the chosen one. <laughs> but it's like it's not it's not like that. I mean, we're still living our lives and even you talking about you've been delivered from so many things, from depression, from these from the guilt, from the shame. Mm. But those things also take time. Mm. So you can and that doesn't necessarily mean you are or are not a Christian. It just means you're still a human living on this planet. 
And so that has with it complications and things that are just hard. Girl, that's a whole other podcast. Walking that actually, actually walking that out. That's Steph Cardamom part two. Okay, we'll get there. 2024, people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Okay, so then this is what I did want you to talk about because so you lead your mom to Christ and then your mom turns around and leads your grandfather to Christ. And it's like you had been living in this like tension of you had known Jesus. You really believed Jesus was good and true and changed your life. Your parents saw it, but didn't know. Mm. So what's that process of, of sharing then with your dad and with Nick and what happens next? I would say it was a lot of trial and error, like a lot of trial and error. Um, Man, where do I even start with that? I would say, I just made a lot of mistakes and would just have to continuously come back to the Lord. Cause I feel like I, how I started was when you're first, when you first meet Jesus, at least for me, I was so on fire. Like I would just want to tell everybody about Jesus. I was like, you guys have to know this man and what he did for me. I would go to bars, Nicole. Like I <laughs> literally was still, I was still like very much so like one foot in the world and one foot in heaven kind of thing. Like I didn't really know the Holy Spirit at that point. I didn't have a lot of convictions. It was just like, everything's new and amazing and great. And I'm going to go get hammered drunk at this bar. But when I do get drunk, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. This is going to be awesome. And uh, that's not a commentary on drinking or drunkenness. <laughs> like follow your own convictions. But You're like, that's just my life. That that's was just my where life. I was. Like yes. I would just grow up. Mm-hmm. It was like full send. But um, so that's what I would be doing. And over time, over walking with the Lord, he was like, okay, honey, like, let's mature. Let's start doing things my way a little bit. Let's try to do things my way anyway. And I approached my family with kind of a heart of like, I want to be right. Mm-hmm. And I want to show you what's right. And I learned very quickly, like, that's not the way to anyone's hearts. And that's not what the Lord is calling us to do. And I, we had talked about this a little before we started recording too, but I'm a very black and white person. Yeah, I don't exist in the gray area at all. And most of my Christian walk is very gray. And I would agree. I think that a lot of people would agree with me that sometimes you're convicted about one thing and sometimes you're not. But so I just needed to approach my family from a standpoint of like, I don't know all the answers. You're going to have biblical questions for me that I'm going to have no idea what the answer is. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I'm just trying my best to love other people. And so I think that it was from years of striving and striving and striving that I was finally able to lay down um, my expectations and kind of invite the Lord into these things and just be like, I am done talking I'm done showing you with my words. I need to show you with my actions. And so mm-hmm. what what genuinely like the tipping point tipping point for my family and a lot of my friends and people that I love was just like, I'm just going to be a good friend to you. And I'm not going to show you Jesus by hitting you over the head with a Bible and telling you that what you believe is wrong and what I believe is right. I'm just going to show up for you and try my best to love you the way you're asking to be loved and the way and not having like a secret loaded mission. Like you're totally. not walking into every lunch with this like loaded evangelism gun. It's of like, time oh, to how can I get you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were just, I'm going to love you. I'm going to be in your life. Yeah. And if you 
if you want to open that door, I'd love to step through it with you. Totally. And I think that's really important, but I'm not like twisting every conversation or every time something goes wrong in their life being like, well, you know, if you knew Jesus, this, 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 just letting, just letting them arrive to that point. Exactly. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know from my own, my own very human experience, all I want is to be known and to be seen and to be loved. That's what everybody wants. And I want everybody I know to feel known, seen and loved by me. And that also means telling people the truth. So, because talking about Jesus, especially today, um, well, listen, we're in the United States where being a Christian is not persecuted. We're very free and we're very, we're so lucky to be Christians here. Um, But there's times and, you know, spaces where it's not very popular to believe what we believe. And that's hard sometimes looking people in the eye and being like, I believe in Jesus. And I know that even me just saying that hurts you because you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by X, Y, or Z. But I'm going to, again, try and make you feel known, seen, and loved by me, but I'm also going to tell you the truth. So when someone asks you, why are you not depressed? I'm not just going to be like, I went to therapy and I was on antidepressants for six months. No, you're going to say, I met Jesus. I and met actually Jesus. Changed things. That is mm-hmm. what changed me. That That is it. And so I feel like just trying to stand firm and like actually speaking the truth about yes. the man who I know to be my Lord and Savior. But also, like I said, not trying to like actually, like you said, go in with an agenda or hitting people, using the word as a weapon. Like I never want to be someone yeah. who does that. No, no. I mean, and that's not very successful. No. And nobody, I don't like that. I'm a Christian and I don't I like- I still have people do yes. that to me. Yeah, and you're like- Girl. I don't like when I'm listening to a sermon and someone's using it as a weapon. Like yeah. I don't like that. And I know this God and I know this Jesus. And I'm, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't, remind me of my God when I see that. I I don't see him in that. And so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think what what I told you, you've been on my dream guest list forever. And I try to be really intuitive about (laughs) when to invite people. And what tipped it is I saw you post that your mom just got baptized in the ocean. In the ocean with 1,200 people. (sighs) Just last week. Was it last week, the week before? It was not last weekend, but the weekend. Yeah, the weekend before it was oh my gosh well, I felt like I was in that movie Jesus Revolution I was yes, like, look at well, all these people seeing it I texted you because I know the full story so Mm -hmm. I texted you and I said this is crazy Mm -hmm. like not just a little heart on your like in the dms but I know this is insane I can't believe it we not me yes you have joined me in these prayers yes and oh my gosh to the people who have prayed for my family thank you because like it's happening the lord hears and answers prayers but yeah so one (laughs) of One of the first things that I ever felt like the Lord showed me as a new baby Christian was just a stack of dominoes. And there were four dominoes. Have I told you this before? No, but I know your tattoo on your ear. So I know you've got, <laughs> you know <laughs> I know me. you've got your family there. Yeah. My family's up there. Uh, yeah. I've, I freaking love my family. But anyway, um, he showed me four dominoes and they just kind of, they all just fell over. And I was like, Lord, what is happening? And I feel like he spoke to me and said, like, this is your family. Like, I got you. You you came to me and like, the, your family is just going to follow. And then that was so beautiful to me because even though I didn't see that actually happening right away, I was always able to look back and be like, 
he showed me dominoes and he showed every person like coming to know him. And a couple of months ago, maybe in like April, he showed me those dominoes again, but now it wasn't just my family. It was like stacks, like stacks of dominoes. Like I couldn't even count how many dominoes there were. So I was just like, man, that's so cool. And, um, again, this matters to me. Yes. Because I don't want to be the person, like you said, Nikki, that just comes in and is like, you need to believe what I believe. I don't really care if you believe what I believe. I actually welcome people that don't believe what I believe in my circle so it could challenge me and my beliefs. But I just want every family member, every friend, every person, like and even if I enter a room with you, like I don't care. I already care about you and I can't tell you how or why. I just do. I feel like that was kind of a gift from the Lord. I just care mm-hmm. about people. I agree. And I want people to know Jesus, not because, again, I want them to believe what I believe and not because I'm right and they're wrong, but because he changed me. He saved my life. He set me free. And I want people to feel the freedom that I have felt. I want people to walk out of their addictions out of their depression, out of their worthlessness. I want people to be free to love and to be loved and to be loved by God, who is, Mm. he loves us more than anyone. So I just want people to experience that freedom and that, that grace and that love. So when people are like, why is it a big deal? Or why are you praying for so-and-so? Like, can't you just pray for them to get the money that they want? Or can't you just pray for them to get the job or the house or whatever? It's like, yeah, I could, but like, I want you to know, I want you to know my dad. Like, I want you to know my father because he loves you. And like, I, there's nothing you could get that is more valuable or precious or more worthwhile than just like a touch from God. That's yeah. truly the only thing. Yeah. Um, but end of story is <laughs> my mom got baptized last weekend and I went to Israel on a trip with my dad a month before then. And my dad heard from the Lord for like one of the first times ever, he's reading his word. He's coming to know Jesus. My brother and his uh, wife are getting rebaptized in August. And so like, I'm just seeing answers to prayers I've been praying for six years. And not only that, but like, I'm seeing my family start to know the man who changed my life. And that is like tr- literally the only thing yeah. that matters to me. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say at the end of that. I mean, I already knew all of that, but I (laughs) there just aren't words. I mean, yeah. I mean, just praise God. It's just literally praise God. It's just the Lord. And I think one thing that I would love for you to do at the end is can you speak to the person Mm -hmm. who is in the San Diego version of you, the person who's in that dark place, um, who may be cannot fathom getting to this point. Can you speak to them just kind of in our last minute together? Absolutely. Yeah. If any part of my story has resonated with you, if you feel sad or anxious or depressed, if you feel unseen or unworthy, or if you feel like your life just doesn't mean anything, if you feel like you have no value, if you've made really bad decisions and you've made mistakes that you feel really, really shameful and sorrowful about, if you feel like you can't forgive yourself or like you can't be forgiven, if you're harboring secrets or have history of abuse, sexual abuse, 
addiction, whatever it is, there is hope. I am an example of that. I truly, I can't say it any other way than I was dead and now I'm not. And there is hope in a man named Jesus and he saved me and he can do the same thing for you. Um, Can I actually just like say a really quick prayer? Is that okay? Please, Mm -hmm. Father, I just thank you for Nikki and for the opportunity that I'm having here to share my testimony with her. And I do pray that whoever listens to this would just know how loved they are by you, Father, Um, and that they would see that they don't have to make decisions. They don't have to end their life. They don't have to exist in a place of self-hatred and shame, God, but you show them another way. You are opening a door for them today that says, I want you to come out of this season and into the newness of life with me. And so I just thank you for your great heart for me, for saving me and my family, for rescuing us, for setting us free, for touching Nikki and her family, but also for your deep love and care for each person that hears this. Even if they don't hear this, you love them so much, God. And I just pray that you would show them that today, that you would speak to them and that they would be able to hear you and respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, did you fall in love with Steph as much as I am? I mean, I could not love her more. She's such an important person in Scott and I's life, and she is truly a forever friend. So I'm glad that you got to hear her story. You got to meet her. You got to meet her family. And I just wanted to say, if you find yourself listening and you are not a part of the Christian faith or you have questions, I am always happy to talk with you, but also to send you resources that I've found helpful along the way. So you can always find my Instagram and my email in this episode description, as well as if it's not me, I would just encourage you to have conversations with someone that is in your inner circle, someone who can speak into your life well. Um, Steph is one of those people for me. There are really no boundaries. I will tell her the truth about everything that I'm thinking and feeling um, anytime she asks. And so I would just encourage you to speak with someone that is close to you, especially if, like she said, if you are dealing with someone of this darkness, or if you just have doubts or questions, or even Steph after and I, after her and I wrapped up in this interview, we sat and talked for a few minutes about just some things that we're thinking through right now. So find your people, talk to your people. No question is a bad question, and just know that you are welcome in this space, however and whatever your life looks like. Okay, until next time. <laughs>